0: This is episode 317 of the AWS podcast, released on June 16th, 2019. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast, Simon Lesher here with you, great to have you back and this is an update show, Riding Solo this time round, but Nikki will be back for the next one with a bit of luck and we have lots and lots of things to cover today. The first topic is that of the world of satellites and it's exciting to announce the general availability of AWS Ground Station. This is a fully managed service that lets you control satellite communications, uplink, downlink, process satellite data, and scale your satellite operations. Now, a ground station are facilities that use antennas to provide communications between Earth and your satellite. Now, this is something that's focused on communication with low-Earth orbit and medium-Earth orbit satellites, and you can have reserved or on-demand scheduling, And these antenna systems that we have are located very closely to AWS regions, which means you can get the data to the place you need to process it very, very quickly and then run sophisticated algorithms on it, machine learning, visualization techniques, etc. This is available today in US West 2, Oregon, US East 2, Ohio, and more regions are coming soon. And if you're into the space world, this is a very exciting thing. Let's move on to storage. You can now encrypt new EBS volumes in your account in a region with a single setting. So for many organizations, encryption by default is their desired state. And so now you can opt into this particular setting. And that means that everything will be encrypted when you create every new EBS volume. So once you enable this capability, All newly created volumes are encrypted without having to specify encryption for each volume. So this makes your workflow much, much easier and makes sure you're encrypted by default. AWS Backup is a centralized managed service to backup your data across AWS services in the cloud and on-premises as well using AWS Storage Gateway. And it now supports AWS CloudFormation. So if you want to spin up your AWS Backup solution using CloudFormation, now you can few updates to AWS data sync, which allows you to automatically, efficiently and securely copy files between two elastic file system resources or EFS resources. So you can copy file systems between different AWS regions or different accounts, et cetera. It now supports the EFS to EFS transfer capability. And what this allows you to do is do one-time migrations or periodic ingest, or just automate replication for data protection and recovery. It's up to 10 times faster than other tools you might choose to use. And it now also has filtering for data transfers. So now you have, the option to configure file path and object key filters to control which data gets copied across, which is really useful. It's also now SOC compliant. So service organization control compliance, SOC is a uh, standard that a lot of organizations look to around how well a particular service is run. AWS Sync is now SOC 1, 2 and 3 compliant. So these reports are often used by different industries, particularly around Sarbanes-Oxley, etc. So it is uh, it is certified under that. Also out of interest, uh, AWS Sync is in scope for PCI DSS and ISO 9001, 27001, 27017 and 27018 compliance and HIPAA eligibility as well. Moving on to compute. Amazon EC2 now has host recovery for dedicated hosts. So this means that when an instance goes wrong, so let's say there's an unexpected hardware failure on a dedicated host, it reduces the need for manual intervention and means your time to recovery is much faster and you have less operational burden. The other nice thing is it has built-in integration with AWS License Manager, which automates the tracking and management of your licenses in the event of a recovery. And typically these types of instances are used when you're having to tie a license to a particular CPU. So this means that you can recover that host and transfer the license very, very easily. You can now hibernate your EC2 instances without specifying your encryption intent at every instance launch. So this makes it much, much easier for you to both enable encryption by default, as we said, and you don't have to create an encrypted copy of your Amazon AMI before launching an instance. So it gives you a bit more flexibility in terms of how you do your hibernation when you use it, et cetera. Links in the show notes, it's a little more complicated to than makes it able to be explained in a podcast. However, what this does is tie into the earlier change that I spoke about, which is the encryption by default option. If you're using containers, the Amazon Elastic Container Service or ECS now supports running Windows Server 20. 2019 containers that is now generally available. It was in beta before. It provides an ECS optimized Windows Server AMI, which is based on the EC2 Windows Server 2019 AMI, and includes Docker 18.09 and the ECS Agent 1.27. Now, this gives a number of container capabilities, including a reduced container image size of about uh, that's moved from about 11 gig down to 3 gig, uh, which means you've got faster startup times, etc and a lot of other cool features available. And speaking of cool features, Amazon ECS now supports an increased elastic network interface or ENI limits for tasks in AWS VPC networking mode. In a nutshell, in the past, you were limited in terms of how many uh, containers you could run in a particular instance by the available network limitations or the available network capacity that was there. Uh, And this was because the, the ENIs that were attached to the instance could be used by other processes and other tasks outside of ECS. Now you have access to an increased number of ENIs for use exclusively by tasks in AWS VPC networking mode for select instance types. And this increases anything from three to eight times the previous limits, depending on the instance type. And this will dramatically increase the density you can run as well. So it's pretty exciting. And a quick serverless update, the serverless image handler now leverages Sharp and provides smart cropping with Amazon recognition. So if you're doing any sort of visualization type work, the serverless image handler has been updated to use new libraries and also to be even more sophisticated than ever before. Let's move on to databases. Lots of updates in this space. Amazon Aurora Serverless MySQL 5.6 now supports data API. And this lets you worry about your application and not worrying about managing your database connection or connection pools. You can just issue SQL commands against an Aurora Serverless cluster, by invoking the API endpoint from the data API. And it takes care of managing the database connections and returning data. And it uses the AWS Secrets Manager to store credentials, et cetera. So you're not managing all that complexity as well. Amazon RDS Recommendations now provides best practice guidance for Amazon Aurora. So this gives you more information about the best way to configure your database to get you the most possible performance out of it. And there's been an update for Amazon Aurora with Postgres compatibility, which now supports Postgres SQL 10.7. Bunch of updates and improvements there. And speaking of Postgres, SQL. Amazon Aurora with PostgreSQL compatibility now supports database activity streams for real time monitoring. Now, this is really useful if you're feeding information into a compliance system or some sort of monitoring system. This allows you to send that data straight out of a database into those particular systems as needed. You can use things already like a IBM Security Guardium Uh, McAfee's data center security suite. These are both on the marketplace. Uh, You can also integrate uh, the Kinesis stream straight into that. Lots of different options if you need to pull those streams out. If you're an Amazon RDS for SQL server user, you can now have up to 100 databases per instance. This used to be a limit of 30, now it's 100. So this gives you a lot more options in terms of the consolidation and density that you may want to run in your particular environment. If you're looking from an availability perspective, Amazon RDS for SQL server now supports always on availability groups for SQL server 2017. So this is your improve your availability and durability of your SQL Server deployments by automatically replicating databases between two availability zones or AZs. Now, we previously had announced this feature for SQL Server 2016 Enterprise Edition. It's now available for SQL Server 2017. Another change for RDS for SQL server, it now supports multi-file native restores. And this allows you to restore from S3 to an Amazon RDS SQL server database instance. Now in the past, we supported native restores from a single backup file. Now you can do multiple files, which means you can now migrate databases up to 16 TB bytes, which is up from the previous five TB byte limit. So this gives you more options in terms of the size of database you can support. Now, Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility is a fast, scalable, highly available and fully managed document database service that supports MongoDB workloads. It is now SOC 1, 2, and 3 compliant, as well as a number of other assessments, including PCI DSS, ISO 27001, HIPAA eligible, etc. So that is now available for you under that compliance regime. Quick update for Amazon DynamoDB, adaptive capacity is now instant. Now this is really useful because what this does is applies adaptive capacity in real time in response to your changing application traffic patterns, which means you can have uninterrupted performance indefinitely, even from when you've got imbalanced workloads. So what this means, Means is that you can now drive that read and write throughput more efficiently, because you don't have to over provision or under provision and you know that the adaptive capacity is gonna kick in as and when you need it, which is pretty exciting when you don't have predictability in your workload. Couple of updates for Amazon Elastic for Redis. Firstly, it has improved cluster availability during planned maintenance. So now what that means is when you're doing a node replacement or patching or updates, et cetera, it can take place whilst the server is still servicing incoming write requests which makes it a lot more capable in terms of rolling updates out without having to have outage time. Amazon Elastic Cache for Redis launches self-service updates as well. So this means you can choose when you want your updates to take place. Basically, when updates become available, you'll be notified through the Elastic Cache console, emails, SNS, personal hot dashboard, and CloudWatch events. And you can potentially self-service and say, hey, let's go ahead straight away or schedule it in at a time that works for your particular business process. Let's talk developer tools. The Amplify framework has now added support for AWS Lambda functions and Amazon DynamoDB custom indexes in GraphQL schemas. Now, if you haven't played with Amplify, it is an amazing tool. It really makes building applications so much quicker and hooking all those services together that you need to make something functional very, very fast. A big fan, I have to say, used it on a project recently and was pleasantly surprised with how easy it is. Now what you can do is you can add a a Lambda function into your AppSync API using GraphQL transformer. And there's a new directive, the at function directive. Plus there's also new capability around managing keys and indexes in DynamoDB. Basically, it means it's easier to build than ever. And speaking of building, AWS CodeCommit now supports including application code when creating a repository with AWS CloudFormation. So in the past, you could create a new repository with CloudFormation. However, you couldn't put anything in it till you did your first commit yourself. Now you can include a zip file with all the content you want added into that particular code commit repository. So things like the README, sample code, et cetera, and it'll automatically put it into that newly created repository. So you can think about how, if you're building CloudFormation cloud formation templates or snippets to get people started in your organization, it's not just, here's the repository. It's here's a repository with some sample content for you as well. Moving on to analytics, the Amazon managed streaming for Apache Kafka or Amazon MSK is now generally available and this is a streaming starter service that makes manages. manages Apache Kafka's infrastructure and operations. So this makes it really easy for developers and DevOps managers to build and run production applications on Kafka without having to have a lot of Kafka and Apache Zookeeper operational experience. You can get up and running very, very quickly, backed by 99.9% availability SLA and it expands into multiple regions. So it is now available in US East North Virginia, US East Ohio, US West Oregon, EU Ireland, EU London, EU Frankfurt, EU Paris, Asia Pacific, Tokyo, Singapore, and Sydney, and more regions to come in the coming months. There are also some new features for new MSK clusters, encryption in transit via TLS between clients and brokers, and between brokers, mutual TLS authentication using Adibus ACM private certificate authorities, defining custom cluster-wide configurations for topics and brokers, cluster-wide storage scaling, cluster tagging and tag-based IAM policies. It's HIPAA eligible now as well. It includes CloudTrail capability. It supports Apache Kafka version 2.1.0 and cloud formation support will also be coming probably around the June, July timeframe our updates today, a number of services have become SOC compliant. Amazon Elasticsearch fits into that as well. It is now SOC 1, 2, and 3 compliant as well. Elasticsearch also now has support for Elasticsearch 6.7. So this gives you some new capabilities, including the uh, BKD-backed Geo shapes data type, median absolute deviation aggregation, and support for nested fields in composite aggregations. Lots of cool new stuff there. And AWS Glue now has a VPC interface endpoint. So, if that's the way you like to connect to your particular services versus over the internet, uh, you can use that for using your Glue integrations. And another big one is it now supports scripts that are compatible with Python 3.6 in your Python shell jobs. Previously, it was a 2.7. Uh, most of us Pythonistas have moved well beyond 2.7. So, 3.6 is now the supported version. Let's talk internet of things. AWS IoT Things Graph is now generally available. Now, this is a fully managed service that makes it easier and faster to build IoT applications by visually connecting different devices and web services with little to no code. Basically, you can hook things together visually rather than having to develop it. Now, this is very, very powerful and is really something you need to have a look at as well. It's available now in five regions, US East, North Virginia, US West Oregon, EU Island, Asia Pacific Sydney, and Asia Pacific Tokyo. Uh, Take a look at the Getting Started page, links in the show notes, and it'll illuminate for you just how powerful this can be. Also AWS IoT events is now generally available as well. And this allows you to basically detect and respond to changes indicated by IoT sensors and applications. So this could be malfunctioning machinery, a stuck conveyor belt, a slowdown in production output and automatically trigger alerts or events in response. And what this allows you to do is really bring in those hundreds of thousands or even millions of different events and process them very, very effectively and very, very quickly at very low cost. This particular service is currently available for use in U.S. East, North Virginia, U.S. East, Ohio, U.S. West, Oregon and EU Island regions. The AWS IT device tester is now at version 1.2 and is available for Amazon Free RTOS version 1.4.8. Basically, you should test your devices and this makes it much easier to do it for you. So this is up to date. And AWS IT Analytics now supports channel and data stores in your own Amazon S3 buckets. So now you can easily integrate all that into your existing data lake, uh, lifecycle it, process it with downstream functionality, et cetera, really makes it easy to do that straight from the console. Moving on to end user computing. Amazon Worklink now supports additional website authorization providers. Now, what we've noticed is for many customers as they uh, add more domains to Amazon Worklink, their domains use authorization flows from different identity providers. So what we've now allowed you to do is to add website authorization flows from multiple identity providers into your accounts. So this makes it much easier to hook in different services as and when you need to. Amazon AppStream 2.0 now has three self-guided workshops that help you build online trials and SaaS solutions. Now, one of the interesting uses of Amazon AppStream is the ability to make it easy for your own customers to trial your particular solution. And so they've created some new capabilities to allow you to build your own trials very, very easily without having to kind of reinvent the wheel. This lets you get up and running. So if you're an independent software vendor, this is something you'd want to look at. Update for Amazon Chime Voice Connector. It now supports the use of United States toll-free numbers. So it now supports inbound calling to US toll-free numbers. Moving on to machine learning. Fraud detection is a very common use case for machine learning because it involves trying to find patterns in huge amounts of data. We now have a fraud detection using machine learning solution that automates the detection of potentially fraudulent activity and flags it for review. It's easy to deploy and contains an example data set of credit card transactions, but you can modify it to you use your own data set. It uses Amazon SageMaker, Kinesis Data Firehose, Lambda, S3, CloudWatch Events, etc. Take a look at it. It's a great handy solution that can get you up and running very quickly or just be used as an example of what you can achieve. Amazon Textract is now generally available. This was something we had in preview since reInvent 2018. And this is a managed machine learning service that automatically extracts text and structured data from virtually any document. And this really helps process those millions of document pages in just a few hours. Now this goes beyond simple OCR or optical character recognition, and it identifies the contexts of fields in forms and the information stored in tables and the context in which the information is presented. And so this works with things like scans, PDFs, photos, etc. It's really, really, powerful and a great way to get a lot of trap data into something far more sensible and processable later on. It's available in U.S. East North Virginia, U.S. East Ohio, U.S. West Oregon and EU Ireland as well. And Amazon Transcribe, which is an automatic speech recognition service, it now supports speech to text in modern standard Arabic. Moving on to robotics, Adibus RoboMaker, which is a service that makes it easy to develop, simulate, and deploy intelligent robotic applications, now supports over the air deployment job cancellation in fleet management. So this means you can stop something going wrong (laughs) when it's going on. So once a running deployment job is cancelled, the remaining robots in a fleet will not be updated until a new deployment job is created. Because let's face it, we do make mistakes and it would be nice to be able to stop them. So now you can. Let's talk application integration. And Amazon API Gateway now supports tag based access control and tags on additional resources. So this lets you have more fine-grained access controls for all your API gateway resources. Now, remembering that tags are just key value pairs that you can define, and then you can categorize them and use them as you need to. Now, in the past, you would use that for stages or for getting more visibility to cost, et cetera. Now you can enable the creation of policies based on those tags which give permissions at different levels. So for example, you could say full access for admins, limited access for developers, lots and lots of options there. It now also supports VPC endpoint policies. And this allows you to specify which private APIs of VPC endpoint can connect to. And this also provides more fine ground security control. So basically if you can combine these two particular capabilities, you can really lock down exactly what that API is going to be exposed to and who can do what to it. Very, very powerful. So definitely worth reading the show notes for that one. Moving on to management and governance. There is now the new AWS System Manager Op Center, which enables faster issue resolution. Now, you're probably familiar with AWS Systems Manager because we talk about it a lot. The Op Center component helps you view, investigate, and resolve operational issues related to your environment from a central location. It provides all these things in a standardized view and contextually relevant data as well, so you can do very quick diagnosis and remediation. You can also associate AWS Systems Manager automation documents for easier remediation and you can specify deduplication logic to filter repetitive operational issues. This will also integrate and complement existing case management systems using integrations with SNS and the AWS SDKs as well. Very, very powerful and is available in all commercial regions, excluding the China regions. So check it out. Very, very useful functionality. AWS Budgets now supports variable budget targets for cost and usage budgets, which is really, really cool. Essentially, what you can do now is specify variable budget targets for each month or quarter for up to one year into the future when you create or edit your budget. So this means you can cater for projected growth or seasonal usage patterns, et cetera. So you may, for example, say that for a particular uh, month, it's a $3,000 budget, but in your big sales time, it's $7,500 budget. You You may also choose to have different levels for your test environment versus your production environment. So you have lots and lots of different choices here. This makes it really, really uh, capable and far more flexible than ever before. CloudWatch logs now add supports for percentiles in metrics filters. Now metric filters in CloudWatch logs lets you turn log data into numerical CloudWatch metrics you can graph or set an alarm on. Now you can add percentile support to that. And we know that percentile support is important. You know, P90, P95, P99, P99.9, any percentile you want is now supported, which makes it much more easy to action things that need to be actioned. There is now also tag-based access control for AWS CloudFormation. Now, this means you can control access to those Cloud Formation stacks and resources based upon tag values. This allows you to have far more control and a finer grained level of control about who can do what. So, for example, you can deny certain users deletion or update privileges for stacks with a production tag value whilst allowing changes for stacks with a development tag value. Speaking of tagging, AWS organizations now supports tagging and untagging of AWS accounts. So you can now assign custom attributes or tags to all the AWS accounts you manage with AWS organizations. So for example, you could attach tags like owner name, project, business group, cost center, et cetera, straight into those accounts which makes it much easier to organize and you don't have to go to any sort of of out-of-band method to manage that. And a tool that a lot of our customers are using very successfully and we love to use with our customers is something called AWS Well-Architected, the AWS Well-Architected tool. And this allows you to analyze your workload based upon best practices that we've learned from AWS customers around the world. The AWS Well-Architected tool now has increased the maximum number of characters in the notes field from 250 characters to 2084 characters. Now, this means you can put far more detail into your particular notes, your review, It also gives you more chance to capture detailed design decisions and improvement activities so that you can actually link to other locations as well or just expand upon your conversation in the particular review document. Let's talk about customer engagement. Amazon Pinpoint now includes support for AWS cloud formations. So if you want to templatize your pinpoint resources, now you can. And an update for Amazon Connect, it now has additional telephony metadata. So you can now see all the information that's coming in into from the call from the telephony provider. So that's very useful for making some decisions about call routing and other information that might define how you handle a particular call. And we do love a price drop. So Amazon Connect has decreased the US telephony pricing by 26% in the US. East North Virginia and US West Oregon regions. So that makes it nice and easy to use use it. At a lower cost. Let's move on to security. Amazon Guard Duty is now SOC compliant. We've talked about SOC a lot in this particular update. So it is also SOC 1, 2, and 3 compliant. And it is definitely a service you should turn on to your account. Remember, there is a 30 day free trial of Amazon Guard Duty that you can turn on with just one click. So definitely something worth exploring. If you develop in C, the AWS Encryption SDK for C is now available to encrypt and decrypt your data in C and C applications. You can also use it as a foundation for bindings in other languages as well. Super performant, fully interoperable with the Java, Python, and CLI implementations as well. So very useful and has a bunch of examples and it is open source in GitHub. And final security update, Amazon Inspector adds the CIS benchmark support for Amazon Linux 2. So if that is one that you are deploying, this will run those checks for you on an automated fashion and make sure you're adhering to best practices. Moving on to training and certification, there are some now new and updated exam readiness courses for your AWS certifications. It's always good to try and get ready to make sure you're feeling comfortable with what's going on. So there are some new courses, the exam readiness for the certified Alexa skill build, Builder specialty, the AWS Certified Security Specialty, and some updated courses reflecting services and best practices and new features for the AWS Certified Solutions Architect Professional and the AWS Certified DevOps Engineer Professional. Moving on to quick starts, there's a new quick start that deploys a modular architecture for Amazon Aurora Postgres. Now this is really useful because it gets you up and running in about 25 minutes and shows you a kind of best practice deployment or a templatized deployment that you can use to then customize for your own environment. Gets you up and running very quickly, And what a lot of our customers find is they can get up to three times the throughput of Postgres without requiring any changes to their existing applications. So being able to spin this up very, very quickly, it can give you a big performance benefit with very little work. And finally, let's move on to AWS Marketplace. And AWS Marketplace now enables long-term contracts for AMI products. So this is a feature that lets you purchase contract terms for one plus years and helps you get the best price for that commitment. This is available through the seller private offers capability. And it means you can negotiate contract terms, price, and spread your payments over the duration of your contract. And once a customer subscribes to an AMI product, you can track your details and usage, completed and upcoming payments through your monthly bill from AWS. So, this is a very useful way to get the most benefit out of your AWS marketplace products. So, lots of updates. Hope there was something in there for you. As ever, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.